You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with one of my favorite people on planet Earth, my best friend Taylor. Yay! <laughs> Taylor blogs motherhood and lifestyle on Blonde and Ambitious blog. She shares how to succeed as a mother in business on her podcast, Hustle Like a Mother. And she's the co-owner of a wedding vendor education hub, Lush Wedding Hive. She is best friend to Erica, that's me, mama to Jack Henry, who is the world's cutest little boy, and married to her favorite person, Adam. I'm only slightly salty that I'm not her favorite person, but I sort of understand. <laughs> I know. I thought about that when I wrote it out. I was like, what if I have two favorite people? Um, we'll just pretend that it's me. Okay. Okay. Well, be sure everybody to stay tuned through the episode. Drop us your thoughts on social media. And of course, without further ado, welcome Taylor. Yay. I'm so excited to be here. It's a long time coming because we talked right? about you being on Thrive forever ago and then just yeah. for some reason dropped the ball on life. Do you mean my one-year-old or your toddler or (laughs) life in general? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So obviously I know absolutely everything about you, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) give our Thrive listeners here the lowdown on you and your story for anyone who has not yet maybe stumbled upon our friendship on the World Wide Web. First of all, I don't know how you missed it, if that's the case, (laughs) but it's fine. We haven't Um, had a good trip together in a really long time, so... That's true. We probably have some new people who aren't aren't aware of the depth of our friendship. Um, So yeah, a little bit about me. Um, I actually have a degree in biochemistry. Um, I went to college for cosmetic chemistry and biochem to make makeup eventually. That is not what ended up happening with my life, but uh, still definitely a big love of mine is that is that part of the world and the workforce and that kind of thing. Um, it isn't what ended up happening for me in the long run, but you know, there's a special love in my heart for that. I started a blog <laughs> five years ago, uh, six years ago, just for a college class and ended up falling head over heels in love with the whole thing. And when I figured I could make it my job, which is not why I started it because I didn't know that was a thing. um, That was like the best, the best thing that I could have ever done. Um, I knew eventually we wanted to have kids. I was uh, newly married at the time and I would wanted to be home with them, um, but I wanted to work. And this seemed like the absolute best option was to be able to do something that I loved and was fulfilling to me and be able to raise my babies at home. So that was always my goal. Um, So I was just working towards that while we were uh, first married and trying to have children. And then we ended up having a little bit of a hard time getting pregnant. So that was a whole thing. And I have been so grateful through it all to be able to do something that I really, really love. and be have the opportunity to do a lot of other things, branch out into some other stuff too. I started Lush Wedding Hive two years ago with um, it's been two years already. It's been two years. Holy, um, which is a wedding vendor educational hub. So we have business coaching, uh, online courses, ebooks for wedding vendors. Um, it's a really unique business, but awesome um, for wedding vendors who are looking to really up level their their business in the wedding industry. Um, and then I just recently started my podcast. Um, it's launching today. today. Um, yeah, it's called hustle like a mother. Um, it basically talks all about how to balance motherhood and business and do it without the burnout. Um, and the frustration that often comes with being an entrepreneur and having children, especially what? little children. That's I know, frustrating I and hard work. Yeah. So that's kind of a little bit about me. Um, 
I really like mac and cheese. Big fan of Taylor Swift. <laughs> what else you do you want to like know? Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, Enneagram 3, fairy type yep. A. Preach. Same. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me. I love it. So you're here basically after we had what was truly a bomb.com conversation for your on new podcast, Hustle yeah. Like a Mother, officially launching today. Found Where- everywhere podcasts are available. <laughs> Wherever you're listening right now, you yes. can just go hop over to Hustle Like a Mother. And am I? I think I'm on yours today too. You will be launched today, yeah. the day Incredible. your episode goes live. You can listen to the adventures of T&E all day long. Right? Awesome. Love it. But um, I really just love, love, loved that conversation because we were just so honest and real mm-hmm. about the realities of work at home mom life, which yeah. we agreed when in that conversation that not many folks actually are, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but so before jumping into all that, you mentioned this a hot second ago. So mm-hmm. before you became a mom to Jack, mm-hmm. you had a pretty hefty struggle with an infertility diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I know from all of our conversations, you really felt like you were barely surviving on a lot of yeah. days, let alone thriving. So yeah. I think your perspective on all of that is so rich. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it's a little bit different than what some other women might be struggling with who also have an infertility diagnosis, given that you now have Jack. Mm-hmm. But can you talk to us a little bit mm-hmm. about that and what your mindset was yeah. in those moments? Um, and kind of like how you dealt and what helped you get by? Well, I will preface this saying everybody has a different infertility journey. Totally. Okay. So no journey is the same. If you are going through it and yours doesn't look exactly like mine, it's okay. They're all different. Um, and in addition to that, I had ended up getting pregnant. Um, so I do have my son now. I hope that this story also serves as a message of hope and light at the end of the tunnel for those of you who may still be in the throes of it because miracles can happen. I think they do happen. Um, I think my son is one of those. Um, and I think everybody has their own journey and their own story. So my whole goal with, with talking about this when I do is always to provide hope for those of you who are still in the throes and hopefully a little bit of information for those of you who haven't dealt with this, how to talk and approach with, with kindness and empathy. Um, so that's my little preface <laughs> before jumping into it. <laughs> Take notes. Um, but yeah, so in 2018, we had been trying for over a year to get pregnant with Jack when we saw a fertility doctor. And um, we ended up going in because my husband's brothers actually both have male factor infertility. Um, So we thought maybe we would have some trouble simply because Adam's family has a history of it, but my family doesn't have a history. So I did not think, excuse me, I did not think that I would have a problem. We just thought maybe Adam would. So after over a year of trying and not succeeding, and I was, you know, taking my ovulation test and realizing that I actually may be part of the problem because I was not ovulating. Um, My cycles were all over the board. They were, you know, sometimes 20 days long, sometimes 75 days long, (laughs) sometimes not at all, you know? So I was starting to realize perhaps there was more than one thing going on. So we saw a doctor and we were diagnosed, um, with infertility, I was diagnosed with PCOS, um, two blocked tubes, and adenomyosis, which what that means for those of you who aren't in the infertility world is <laughs> there's basically zero chance I was going to get pregnant <laughs> with all of those combined. And in addition to that, my husband also had some male factor infertility. So we were not doing great <laughs> in terms of being able to get pregnant on our own. Well, I so, remember when you were telling me about this and you called me and you said, Air, like they, the doctors literally just told us that there is less than a 1% chance of us ever getting pregnant on our own. Correct. And so yeah, like, I call, I think I called you the day I had that appointment. You did. Yeah. And how horrifying it is to sit in a doctor's office and be told by all odds <laughs> in the scientific world, yeah, you're not going to get pregnant. Less than 1% chance means you're not going to get pregnant, you know? 
And so we scheduled the, the odds are not in your favor. They're they're not in your favor. And so we scheduled an appointment to have an ultrasound where they would do an HSG test, which basically meant they were going to clear my tubes. Um, hopefully they wouldn't have to do it surgically. So I went in, they did the test and my tubes unblocked. So whatever was there, the membrane that was there was thin enough that it was able to be unblocked, not having to do a surgical procedure, which was awesome. And then we scheduled our IUI and they said, as soon as you get your next period, we will start the IUI process, essentially get you on all the medication that you need to get on. And I remember waiting and waiting for my period to start because I was so desperate to get into the office to do the IUI. And I remember thinking, what if, what if I just called them and they induced my period? Because I'm so tired of waiting. It's been weeks, you know, it could be weeks more depending on my cycle. And then I had a really funny feeling in my stomach and I took a pregnancy test and I was pregnant. (laughs) And (laughs) I sat on the floor (laughs) and cried, obviously, but also was like, what (laughs) just happened? Um, And it turns out it's not super uncommon after the HSG test to have a surge of fertility. Um, Medically, that's a thing that can happen. uh, And it ended up happening for us. So that's the overview of kind of how we went through the doctors we saw and, and our eventual pregnancy. But I will tell you that time that we spent trying and not getting pregnant was the darkest time of my life. I, I pretty much call that the lost year because I, I don't remember a lot of it. If I'm being honest, I was super, I wasn't depressed, but I was very anxious. And when I think back on that year, my memories actually are dark. Like they feel dark and fuzzy and anxiety ridden because that was so difficult to decide you want to have a baby and not be able to just get pregnant in like a month or two, even three, and to be going on, you know, month 16, 17, 18, and not being able to get pregnant, that I never had anxiety before that. And after that, I now do have anxiety flare-ups that will happen. And it was really bad that year. So you're right, I was not thriving. (laughs) I was not thriving at all. I felt really dark in a tunnel. And some things that that I, that I started to do because it came to a point where I was like, okay, either we're going to do fertility treatments or we're going to adopt if we can't get pregnant and I can't keep living like this. I was not functioning. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything that was allowing me to live any kind of life that was happy or fulfilling at all. And we traveled a lot that year. Um, that I was trying and you and I, Erica, <laughs> we did yeah. a couple of trips together. Yeah. And I remember those are like the bright spots of my year, being able to do things that like got me out of my monotony. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of my big suggestions to people who are going through this and struggling is try to break out of that routine, you know, do things that, you know, get your mind off of it and, and help, Because I'm not going to sit here and say, if you would just stop stressing about it, you would get pregnant. Because because Lord knows that's the biggest joke of them all, right? Like, how can you stop stressing about the one thing you want most in life itself? Like, it's just not possible. Um, So I'm not going to sit here and tell you to do that. But what I will tell you is do things that get your mind off of it. Because that in itself will reduce the stress and anxiety because you're not sitting there harboring on it. And I think, I think that was the biggest help for me was to get out and do things that completely took my mind off of what we were struggling with and allowed me to have experiences and enjoy situations that were unrelated completely to trying to get pregnant. (laughs) You know, um, am I answering this question correctly? (laughs) Because I feel like I went off on a tangent there. That's fine. There's no right or wrong way to answer that. Right. So, so yeah, I guess that's kind of a little bit on my backstory on that and what, what helped me a lot. I, uh, I recommend speaking to a therapist because I'm always an advocate of therapy, um, and finding a really good doctor, somebody who will listen to you because the OB I had before was basically like, there's nothing wrong with you. 
you are a healthy 22 year old woman. Um, so there really shouldn't be any issues. And I'm like, okay, ma'am, but there are. <laughs> so what do I do if there are? And so it, what it took finding a completely new doctor who actually listened to me about my cycles and my body, because I knew there was something wrong um, to make a big difference. So listening to your body and trusting that you know it better than anybody else, even a doctor, you know your own body better than anyone else and really listening to that intuition. Well, and that's an important point for not even just your own body, but for motherhood in general, Mm -hmm. you know, like literally anything people, you and I both experienced that Mm -hmm. a thousand times in terms of, you know, your own baby better than anyone else. And you will have an advocate for yourself, but also for your kid, because, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you run into all sorts of different struggles with doctors or teachers down the road or whoever where sometimes you just have that gut feeling like, no, like I know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And when you have that, you just have to follow it because that, yes. that intuition might be the thing that helps you go from surviving to thriving because it's, yes. it's your gut telling you, nope, you're, you're on well, to something. Keep going this way. And if I hadn't switched doctors, would we have been able to get into the fertility specialist when we did? Mm-hmm. Would I have been able to have that procedure when I did? I don't know you know, who knows? So being able to absolutely trust that intuition, I've had to do that with pediatricians with Jack. You've had to do that for live with different situations. Like we are not only our own best advocates for ourselves, but absolutely the best advocates for our children. Yeah. So speaking of being an advocate for yourself also, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) this is something you do all the time as a work from home mom. Mm -hmm. Yes. So like fast forward, you have Jack, everything mm-hmm. changes. Yeah. What was the transition like for you going from a business owner and an entrepreneur working from home to working from home with a newborn baby? Because it's, you have, um, I know from talking to you, but like the, the surge of emotions and feels and yeah. hormones, hello, are yeah. unreal. So talk to us about the yeah. transition for you. So I will say, um, if you're like me, you don't really love other children very much. So you had no <laughs> idea what to expect. And I say that with all like the support in the world. I'm not a kid person. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just not. I never babysat. I really had prior to Jack being born, I'd never changed a diaper. I hey, just I was, you and I un- were the same. Unprepared really in any sense of the word to be a mother in terms of actually taking care of the baby. So that was a big wake up call, actually, you know, keeping a human alive, but also they passed you Jack and you're like, what do I do with it? I know they were like, you get to go home now. And I was like, uh, are you sure about that? Because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and a year later, still don't know what I'm doing in case anybody's wondering. Yep. <laughs> but, but what, ha- what happens is for me, I completely changed. I'm not the same person I was a year ago when Jack was born Um, in a really great way. I expected to just jump right back into work. Like, yeah, I had a baby now, but I didn't expect anything to change, honestly, which was a very naive view (laughs) viewpoint. But if I'm being completely honest, I figured I would have a baby, but my mom lives close. So I would have help. I'd work when he napped, which joke was on me because he didn't nap for nine months, but that's okay. Um, You know, I'd work when he napped or when he went to bed and it would be fine and nothing would really change. And that was not the case for me. So my whole world changed, which as it does when you have a baby, but also my son didn't really nap. So I didn't have naps. I could not rely on my mom for 40 hour childcare a week. (laughs) Like, you know, that would be completely unfair of me to request that. And I didn't want to put him in daycare. So I also didn't give myself a maternity leave, which was a mistake. And the next child we hopefully have in the future, that's something I will change. And I will actually give myself a maternity leave because I didn't give that to myself. And I was trying to work and shoot and do things when my body's still recovering from pushing a live human out of myself. (laughs) Like, yeah, that wasn't fair to me. (laughs) That wasn't fair to me to not give myself a maternity leave or a break of some kind. And I mean, you understand too, you were working as well when Liv was born and 
And also like, I was literally working in labor, like up to basically my doctor was like, um, can you, can you stop sending emails so we can push your child or how you feeling there? Um, but honestly, like throughout labor, I was still working. I was still answering emails. I was still, you know, editing stuff. What was I thinking? (laughs) What was I thinking? And I should have allowed myself the opportunity to not do that. Like take two or three months where it's just going to be slow. Like, it's just going to be slow. And I should have done that for myself. Um, And that was a big change. And I also realized my content started shifting pretty drastically when he was born because I fell in love with being a mom, like way more than I thought I was going to. And that started to speak to me a lot more than my other content. And now I'm embracing it, but it took me 10 months of him being here to actually realize okay, that's the direction I want to go. And I need to move that way because that's, what's making me happy. Um, and I was experiencing burnout constantly because I was burning the midnight oil, the candle at both ends, whatever the metaphor is there, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I was doing too much without giving myself any grace whatsoever. And I was trying to keep up with everybody else's highlight reel (laughs) and comparing it to (laughs) like not mine, just my everyday situation and comparing it to everyone else's highlight reel. And that was detrimental to my mental health. Oh, totally. I mean, we you talked know? about this on yeah. Hustle Like a Mother, mm-hmm. but the highlight reel struggle is so real. Yep. Yep. It's, I don't like, maybe it's Instagram, maybe it's Pinterest, maybe it's a combination of all of that. We, mm-hmm. we mentioned how we think it's kind of just people not being fully honest because there's this element of shame almost or like personal guilt Mm -hmm. that we apply on ourselves as work, work at home or working parents in general, even not as working parents, just Mm -hmm. once you become a parent and you are fully responsible for another human being, it's like, everything becomes a personal guilt trip then of, okay, well now I'm not enough at this, or I'm not good enough at this, or I'm Mm -hmm. not this. And it's like, we don't see the behind the scenes and the mm-hmm. reality of everybody else going through the same thing. We just see the picture perfect presentations that everyone mm-hmm. puts out there. Like, look at how much I'm mastering this new role. And yeah. we take it personally and we forget that it's just not real. Like it and might be real for a snapshot, but it's not the real embodiment of motherhood. Like your exactly. house is not perfectly clean all the time and your makeup's not done and your hair's not done and you don't have a blowout when you wake up on a Monday morning. You what, don't, I do. Like, you don't? Oh, well, what? I don't know if I told you, but like. Yeah, yeah you yeah. don't have somebody washing and blow drying your hair while you sleep. Yeah, so um, it's just like, it fuels the negativity. I don't know, yes. what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I have a hard time with dishonesty. So let's start there. I <laughs> I have a really hard time with dishonesty. Same. I don't vibe with it. Uh, I don't like it. I value truth and honesty pretty much above just about everything else yeah. is, is that. And I've tried really hard to be transparent um, on my social media channels, knowing people look at me um, and take my advice for things. And I've tried to be so transparent when I have house cleaners at certain times in my life, I'm not the one cleaning my house. Or when I have, I have two different people come and watch Jack during the week. I have my mom and my sister three or four days a week for several hours so that I can do work done. If they didn't happen, work would not happen. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm not doing it by myself, period. Um, you know, I'm very honest about that. I've seen a therapist in the past. I've been really honest about that. Like, I'm not the only person keeping this super positive mental mindset. It takes work. It takes help. Um, those things that people don't talk about, I've been really open about Jack's journey with food and breastfeeding and all of the struggles that have come with that for us because he has a really sensitive gag reflex. Um, and sensory issues with food, which made me feel like a bad mom because everybody else's kid had these gourmet lunches and I couldn't get my kid to even eat a puree. Like, you know, there's all these things that I beat myself up over because I was looking at all of this. And then I realized I can't do anything without help. So the only way I feel like they're doing that is if they have some kind of help, but I wouldn't know that because they're not transparent about it. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair because I know I have moms who follow me or even just just 
women in general, right. Who follow me, who look at me, who I have messaged me or commented or DM to have been like, thank you for sharing that. It's not just you because it's really hard to see unless somebody is open and transparent about that, whether they have help or not. And there is a stigma attached to it and there shouldn't be like, I have help and I'm so grateful for it. And that's how I can do what I can do. And it's not something to be ashamed of that I can't do it. And it's not something for other people to look down upon. And if you do look down upon that, that you're working through something on your own because (laughs) (laughs) that's not fair to other people to have that pedestal that you hold other people to and then not give yourself that same grace. Absolutely. I mean, the very nature of being a work at home parent or a working parent in general, Mm -hmm. it's like, who's watching your kid? Because anyone who's familiar with having a job, well, Mm -hmm. you have to be present at your job to do your job well. And anyone familiar with parenthood or just watching a little human, okay, well, you have to have all eyes on them. Otherwise you're going to have a fork in the electrical socket or you're going to have spaghetti on the wall or yes. some other crazy thing is going to happen yeah. because they just know when you're not watching them and then they yeah. make things happen. And they so, gravitate towards the most dangerous thing in the room absolutely. every time. Most dangerous, so. most messy, hands down. They're like, yes. what could really screw mom's day up? Yeah. They're like, I have all these toys over here, but I see a pile of cords that could take down the whole desktop computer. So yeah. I'm going to go over there. Let's go there. It's like... If you're familiar at all with either of those two things, yes. it doesn't take a, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that mm-hmm. it is really freaking hard work to yeah. combine them together. And yeah. when you have like if you are familiar with how babies operate, mm-hmm. they they are not necessarily as systematic and scheduled as people mm-hmm. would like to think they are. They have a mind yep. of their own, yep. especially when they're toddlers. And then if you have a job that has deadlines or a manager or your own to-do list, okay, well, inevitably there's going to be some clash there and mm-hmm. you're going to need backup because yeah. we can't do it all by ourselves. Like it really does take a village. And I thought when Jack was born, the naivety when I had my son was just astounding. But, (laughs) you know, when I had my son, I think, okay, he's going to nap. I'll have an hour, hour and a half, you know, maybe two times a day, three times a day to get stuff done. And Jack didn't nap. Yeah. So his naps were 20, 25 minutes long for the first 10 months of his life. You can't get anything done. I'm sorry, you can't get an entire eight hour workday squeezed into 20 minutes? What? You know, know, and by the time he's down and you sit down and take a breath, he's up again. So, so I really beat myself up over the fact that my son didn't nap like other children or eat like other children. And Mm -hmm. I had this really, really misunderstood idea of how baby schedules worked. Mm -hmm. And that was not fair to myself. And now, for the next child that we that we have in the future, there will be way more grace applied to the situation and just more understanding that some things are going to slip through the cracks and it's okay. And also hire a full-time housekeeper before that happens because <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be on the list, you know? But I think, I think the biggest takeaway I have from becoming a working mom is I'm not fair to myself a lot of the times and I don't give myself as much grace as I give other people. And that is a really big thing for me to work on. It's still something I'm working on. It's something that every time you and I are FaceTiming, I feel like I'm telling you, girl, give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. Give yourself grace. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Like we automatically assume the worst in ourselves yeah. when we can assume the best in other people so quickly. Yes. And we, you said it you said it a hot second ago, like we will extend so much grace to other people and not give the slightest inch of grace to ourselves sometimes because we're so in our heads about doing all the things and being all the things for all the Mm -hmm. people all the time. And it's just not possible. And if you're like you or I, we have a million projects happening at one time. A million and one, I would say. Right. And, and I'm const, I constantly have new projects or different things I'm working on because I can't sit still. And, and so when you add all of that on top of now my child is mobile and entering toddlerhood and it just adds such a layer of, it could be really stress inducing. 
Um, and I think there's, there just needs to be a day, a time every day where you sit there and take a breath and say, I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing the best that I can. And that's all I can do. I'm being the best mom that I can be for my child. I'm being the best worker that I can be for that. And I'm being, you know, the best self I can be for me. And I always do an inventory check every day when I wake up in the morning. Am I in a position to be the best in those areas? Mm. And if I'm not, what what can be paused or pushed or or what help can I get during the day so that I can be the best in those areas? Because that's what's important to me, that I'm a good mom to Jack, that I am gentle with myself and that I am able to get a few priority things done for work. And if I can do that, I can go to bed at night knowing I did the best that I could do. I love that. If there's one thing Mm -hmm. that you could pinpoint that, especially since Jack is about to turn one now, holy mackerel. Can you even stand it? I can't at all. But (laughs) what do you think, if there is one thing, maybe there's more than one thing, holds moms back from going from a place of barely surviving, just Mm -hmm. hanging on, to allowing yourself to thrive. Because I almost feel like yeah. this ties into giving yourself grace. Because for me, yes. it was, it was oh, like sitting in, the, in that miserable place and being mm-hmm. like identifying almost with, yup, I'm a new mom. Therefore, mm-hmm. I can't shower regularly and I can't do <laughs> anything for myself and I can't do X, Y, Z because it's supposed to be right. hard and I'm supposed to give of myself fully for my yeah. child, which means... I apparently don't have self-care. Like Mm -hmm. it was a totally skewed view that was absolutely keeping me in a place of barely surviving and not thriving. So what do you think? Sorry, I have a tickle in my throat today. But um, for me, I think this is such a good question because I don't always think of life in terms of thriving versus surviving. And I think when you actually sit down and say, am I thriving or, or just surviving, you can really do that mental check for yourself. So I Mm -hmm. love that. Um, for me, it was comparison. Mm. So that comparison game, and we've touched about this, maybe not in those exact words a little bit at the beginning of, of our time here, but for me, it was a very unhealthy comparison game, whether it was comparing myself to other business women who maybe didn't have children or comparing myself to, other moms who seemed like they were just killing the game, right? And they even had maybe multiple children and I was barely functioning with one or whatever it it was that I was seeing and looking at, I had to eliminate from my Facebook feed, my Instagram feed. Um, Maybe they were, maybe it was removing toxic people from my circle, which I did a lot after Jack was born, um, that changed the game for me. Um, and I know we talked about when I cleared out my Instagram feed, um, when it happened, I texted you and I was like, I actually physically feel lighter. I feel better knowing that when I scroll through my feed, there isn't anything there that makes me feel bad about myself in any aspect of my life. mm -hmm. And this is, we've talked about this before. I'm always hesitant to give that as advice to people because there are so many people that will just preach, okay, if something is making you feel a certain Mm -hmm. way, unfollow it, delete it, and it'll be gone. However, it's important, I think, to differentiate between someone doing something to you or making you feel something versus a a struggle that you are dealing with that's a you thing that is being projected onto other people. And I think a lot of times this was a me thing. It was, it was me unhealthily comparing myself to, like we said earlier, a highlight reel. So I'm, by removing that from my immediate vision, I'm able to do the internal work Yeah, without being set back. And I guess that, I guess you're right. Let me say that a little bit differently. Oh no, it's fine that you said it like that because I think it's, what you just said right there, I think is so important that a lot of people miss is you were fully, you knew what you were doing. You knew what you were struggling with. Yes. You were you were taking very intentional steps to do the work mm-hmm. 
to get better yourself and to make yes. sure that your mindset was good and strong and healthy for you. You yes. weren't just sitting there going, oh, well, <laughs> uh, that girl makes me feel really bad about myself. So I'm going to unfollow that. Yes. Shit. Like, yes, because it's not that girl's fault. Right. So like, let's you, talk you about that. Like, it's not her fault that I feel bad about myself when I look at her stuff because I know nine times out of 10, that's not the intention of it being posted. However, with where I was at in my personal mental state, I needed to have that clear so that I can work on myself and really get to the root of where that comparison stems from and work on that in my own life so that I can scroll through a feed and not be affected by what's out there. I'm not in a place yet where that's where I'm at, but that's what I'm working towards. And that's because okay. absolutely it's not their fault. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> you know, it is. Um, but that's, that goes for business and motherhood because it goes, whether I'm looking at other bloggers or, you know, other coaches, because I do some of that with Lush, you know, whether I'm looking at that or whether I'm looking at other moms and I'm feeling like, how am I ever going to get to that state, like that level? But that's not the right question, right? It's, it's what steps can I take to get to that level that I want to be at? you know, which is a much less defeatist attitude (laughs) to take on that, you know? So that's my advice is, is to really do an internal check, find where you're struggling the most, and then actively take steps to work on that struggle because it's not going to be the same for everyone. For me, it was comparison. And when I'm not comparing, I'm so much happier and I'm so much more able to fulfill my purpose but that may not be it for you. Right. But I think doing that check, that internal check to figure out what you feel you struggle with the most and be honest with yourself, Mm. be honest with yourself. You don't have to show up for anybody else right then. Be honest with yourself. It's not, you don't have to be embarrassed because it's just you. Right. And figure out where that is actually stemming from so that you can actively work on it because I wasn't honest with myself for a long time. Right. I was like, I, I'm not comparing myself. I'm just like, I just want to be like that. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm not oh, comparing wait. myself. I'm just comparing myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, but that's, that's what I literally told myself when I fe- would feel terrible looking at these things, which doesn't make any sense at all. Like, <laughs> you know? So, so do that check for yourself. Find where that weakness may be, where you're struggling with the most, what's affecting your mental health the most and then, and then take active steps to work on that. It can be slow. It doesn't have to be overnight. Mine is not. Mine's months down the road and I'm still working on it. You know, it could take months. It could take years. But as long as you're doing your best to assess your, your own mental health and take steps to move forward, that's the very best you can do for yourself so that you can show up and be the best version of yourself for each person that needs you each day. I think that's so important too, as a work at home parent, mm-hmm. because you can't necessarily turn off either of your roles, your nope. role as a worker, if you're a business yep. owner, an entrepreneur working from home, and you can't turn off being a mom, obviously. Yep. So you're not necessarily going to reach this pinnacle where mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have all of the things figured <laughs> out and everything is running smoothly all of the time. Yeah. Like that's just not the nature of how being a business owner is. And that's yep. not the nature of how being a mom is like yep. shit's going to hit the fan at some point or another on one or both of your hats multiple times a day sometimes. Yeah. And so, so it's like, yes. And I think I have learned and I'm better at this now when to turn my day off if I'm able to. Yes. <laughs> And I've learned I, that from you a lot of and times. I think, You've done this many times. Yes. Where I get to a point where I have to assess where I'm headed, where this day <laughs> is headed. <laughs> because if it's a day where Jack is losing his mind and I don't have help that day and my husband works from home now, so maybe he's dealing with stuff at home and Jack's losing his mind and um, I don't have help and I have too many things on my to-do list to even know where to begin, right? If I get to that point and I'm able to push my work stuff to the next day, it's not always possible, but if I am, if nothing is pressing and it can wait till the morning, I stop my day. 
I stop it and I take Jack out and we go and reset (laughs) and we grab a Starbucks and we sit at the park or we take a drive or we do something to totally reset where we're at in the day. And I have to do that. I have to do that for myself. And sometimes I don't get back to work that day. And sometimes we take the rest of the day doing what we need to do to take a deep breath and reset and we'll try again tomorrow. And allowing myself to do that has been one of the most important parts of being a work at home parent. Now I realize that's not always possible. And some days I can't, right? Sometimes it it doesn't happen and they're just, those are the crap hit the fan days. (laughs) But if I can, that's what I try to do. And I would recommend everybody else adopting some (laughs) sort of that feeling or, you know, that, that method for yourself, because it's made a world of a difference for me to be able to do that. It ties right into giving yourself grace because it's like, it's being able to take a step back and be like, you know, I acknowledge that it's not going as planned. I acknowledge it's not going ideally or how I wish it could, if this was a perfect world, but I'm not going to drive myself crazy pushing for something that in this moment at this time might just be impossible. You know, like it's being willing to take a step back and be like, I don't need it to happen right this very second. I'm working. This is, this might not be God's will in the moment and I'm pushing for my own. So it's like, you know what? Take a step back, give yourself the grace Mm -hmm. and, and just show up to try again. You can. Yes. And even if that means you can't push it till tomorrow, but you could push it to bedtime because I've done that too, where I just need to make to make it to seven o'clock. And then I can answer the email or submit the thing or, you know, finish the editing, whatever it is that I was trying to do and failing. Maybe it's not even till the next morning. It's just until Jack goes down to bed or Adam gets off of work. Whenever I'm able to take a moment, I just need to get to that time, you know, and, and stop trying to make something happen when it just can't, it just can't. And, and that's okay. So I think the theme <laughs> that we're getting at, guys, is you deserve just as much grace as you're giving everybody else. And you can't pour from an empty cup. Amen. You can't <laughs> do it. You can't do it. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's, I think, my biggest takeaway. I think I've had four biggest takeaways in this conversation, so they're all big. <laughs> Take them <Yeah>. all away. <laughs> <laughs> So as, from a tactical standpoint, Mm -hmm. as a hustling mother now, reminder, hustle like a mother podcast, available now, now, everywhere podcasts are available. Um, What are some trip, like some tricks Mm -hmm. or or tools um, that have worked exceptionally well for you that you would recommend to others, maybe trying to make work at home mom life Mm-hmm. for them or people who are considering trying to yeah. navigate, I don't want to say balance because that's a dirty word in my book, but <laughs> yes. navigate both roles in the same sort of capacity um, yeah. from like an actual tool standpoint, what do you recommend? Yeah. So as far as tools go, I highly recommend a digital calendar and a paper calendar. Preach. So the reason I have both, right? So a lot of people will say, pick one. I don't subscribe by that theory. So I have a paper calendar that sits on my desk. I'm showing Erica what it looks like right now. It's um, a weekly planner. I got it off of Amazon. It has all of my days with space for me to do to-dos, a priority list, and um, a habit tracker. So this is important for me because this is my at-a-glance page. So every day I sit down and I write down what my meetings are for the day um, and what my priorities are for the day. And, and I'm able to section my day off by time, right? In an ideal world, sometimes it doesn't happen, like I said, but I'm able to section my day off by time and I can glance at that all day long, every day, and I never miss something that I'm doing. My digital calendar is my nitty gritty to-do list. It's on all my devices. And I use Trello personally, but I'm able to kind of go into detail on the stuff that's on my paper calendar. So like I have, you know, my BNA, my Bond and Ambitious to do, uh, Lush to do, and then all my meetings. That's what's written on my Monday morning thing. 
So then if I go to my digital calendar, I can see what all my bon and ambitious to do's are. And I can see what all my lush to do's are. And I'm able to organize my brain that way. Um, and I think it's really important because on my paper calendar, I also do things like doctor's appointments and stuff that I need to do for Jack. Like anything that would be a meeting or an appointment or a time sensitive thing goes on that paper calendar. So I don't miss it. And I used to just do all digital. And then I was miss, I was dropping the ball on a lot of things because that was a to do, but it wasn't broken down by time. And it was, it's really important for my brain, the way that I do that to be able to have my day sectioned off by different times so that I can stay sane. <laughs> so for me, having that paper calendar that's at a glance on my desk is crucial. And then being able to go in depth on my digital calendar where I can access it from my phone or access it from my desktop um, is, is that's what works best for me, that seamless um, cohesion between the digital and paper calendar. Love that. I'm with you, man. I have multiple paper calendars, yeah. not as much digital stuff, but that's also just because my digital, so much of my life is on digital everything. I need yeah. my planning to be in a separate place. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm such a big proponent of writing things down. I think I remember them better if I physically write them down. I've got binders for um, everything. So <laughs> I got a whole stack of binders over here, but um, for me, it's just easier because my T daily to-dos change so often. I hate crossing stuff out. So digital, at least I can just edit like that daily to-do because it's so fluid and changes all the time. But my meetings usually are set in stone or appointments and things like that. And also I'm able to mark down which days I have help coming for Jack. Um, and I can remember that. I On my to-dos, I have like house to-dos over here too. So I can keep those in my brain and I think that's that the, that habit tracker too has been really helpful for my mental health because I'm able to keep myself on task. I find if I have a box I have to check off, I do things more. Mm -hmm. um, so giving myself a place to check physically check the things that I'd like to do is super helpful. Um, and also helps me even if I don't get a lot of things done, if I've checked three things off, even if they're small things, it makes me feel like I've done something with my day and on the days where I have to stop what I'm doing and like just reset, I could at least check like one or two things off and I feel like the whole day hasn't been for nothing. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. That is my tool advice. <laughs> That's what I recommend. I love it. Yeah. So Tay, I want to close things up by asking okay. you a question that I asked all guests to come on Thrive okay. Podcast. Know it well. Yes. I hope you're ready. I'm for ready. It. I'm ready. <laughs> it's, what does Thrive mean to you, and how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life? Yeah. So thriving to me. You're ready for this. You I'm ready. No. Often. Oh, girl, I wrote my answer down. I knew this was coming. I listened to every Thrive podcast. Who do you think I am? <laughs> so thriving to me, and also I've done a lot of work with this lately, like with all my business stuff too. So this is like top of mind, but, but thriving to me is having contentment in all areas of my life. Mm. And that doesn't mean Every area is super spectacular all the time, mm -hmm. but it means that I am content with where things are at in each area and I'm happy with how they are. And I'm in a place where like I could choose which thing to spend more time on or not. And I'm not treading water in any area. So, so for me, that breaks down to my marriage, motherhood, my business, and my mental health. So I have four key areas that I'm working on and that's, that's where I focus on, right? So I want to make sure none of those areas are drowning. And for me, if I'm thriving, it means each of those areas are doing well. And I've been able to balance. I know that's a dirty word on this podcast, but <laughs> I've been able to work, work it out to where each of them are living harmoniously and nobody no area is, is really struggling. And I could put more in one area if I needed to, and the others won't struggle because of it. Does that make sense? It does. And I like so, that you, I like what you just added there at the end too, because it's not 
that they, I mean, it's, it's not that they're all necessarily balanced. It's that they can coexist harmoniously. Yes. Which is very different because you cannot necessarily, it, based on how many hours are in a day, you are not going to have the same amount of time exactly in Mm -hmm. each bucket, whatever. And I'll say I'm each bucket is not at a hundred percent all of the time, but just because one is at 70 and one is at, you know, 80 or 90, that 70 bucket isn't drowning. It's able to give a little to the other one so that it has that flexibility and that fluidity and that harmony. So that's thriving to me when I'm able to do that for each area of my life. Um, And then restate the next question so I don't say this wrong. Oh, it was just, how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life? So striving to thrive would be allowing myself grace and reminding myself to do that probably every half hour. And then, (laughs) (laughs) you know, giving myself that grace and then also work, making sure that each thing that I'm doing every day is, is towards a goal. Um, And that helps me thrive. Like I don't like meaningless to do's and I don't like busy work and that kind of stuff. So if I make sure when I make my to-do list in the morning that everything on that list is moving towards some kind of goal and I'm giving myself grace when I need it, I feel like I'm thriving. I love that. So that's my answer to your questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, thanks for coming on Thrive with me. Tell everybody where the people can find you online tell the people what they want to know. You got it. Um, They can find me at Blonde and Ambitious blog on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm a lot more active on Insta, so I would head there, but that's at Blonde and Ambitious blog. Um, Hustle Like a Mother podcast, everywhere podcasts are available, out now. Um, And that's, you can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Hustle Like a Mother podcast. And blondeandambitiousblog.com is where I hang out on the web, my little corner of the internet, and there's some good stuff there. So check me out there. And if you are a wedding vendor by chance, (laughs) you can find Lush Wedding Hive at Lush Wedding Hive on Instagram. So that's where, that's where I'm at. Those are my little spaces of the internet. Amazing. Well, thanks for coming on. Yes. Thank you. I've loved it. That was good for my soul. Wait, before you go, if you like what you just listened to, drop us five stars on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. And if you're on Instagram, snap a screenshot and share to your story with what episode you're tuning into and tag me at Erica Legenza with what part resonated with you the most. That way I can see what's helping you and your friends can pick up a helpful tidbit too. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.